Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. I want to do a slightly unusual talk today, and it's because of the change in our rules that we no longer need to wear masks. Hallelujah. And even though it's been a pain, it's taught us some lessons, and the Bible has some things to say about masks. And so I thought this would be an appropriate time just to talk a little bit about what the Bible says, which is quite spiritual and intellectual and, and kind of meaty theology, what the Bible says about masks, and then try and put that together with what we've learned from using masks for the last two years and see what we can learn. So I'm going to start reading from Exodus 34. This won't be on your screen. Uh, verse 29. So now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses's hand when he came down from the mountain that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commands all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil or a mask on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out, and he would come out and speak to the children of Israel whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. Now that's the Old Testament, and the New Testament gives us a commentary or an explanation of this. If we were to read that, what would you think would be the reason that Moses was putting a veil on his face? You might think he was being humble. He didn't want to show off that God was shining so brightly out of him. Or he was shy, or the people were afraid of the shining face. There may be various reasons why we would think he would put a veil on his face. But the New Testament tells us he was embarrassed because the shining face was fading. Day by day, it was getting less and less shiny, and he was embarrassed because every time people saw him, they would say, you're not as close to the Lord as you were yesterday, Moses. And actually, if we look through the Bible, the reason for veils or masks or coverings or things that hide and separate us are always caused by sin. You know, in the Garden of Eden... Adam and Eve were naked, and between each other they were unashamed, but also before God they were completely open, and there was nothing covering them. When they sinned, they were embarrassed between each other, and they hid from God. And so it's always sin, either shame or fear or guilt or sickness, that causes us to separate ourselves from other people, isn't it? And from God. And the Bible deals with this topic right from... Genesis all the way through. Now, before you start saying to me, ah, oh, we don't need to wear masks when there's sickness, I would say to you it's the same as Adam and Eve. We still wear clothes. 
because we don't go around naked because we still live in a world that is fallen by sin and we're all affected by sin, but we wear clothes and it's not out of fear or shame. It's just out of being real that actually I may offend somebody if I don't wear clothes. <laughs> and so, so we need to be realistic. And so, you know, some people will say, well, you know, why do we, why do we need to do all these various measures? If I, if I travel to Mozambique, why, why should I have a, a malaria vaccination or, or tablet before I go? Surely God will look after me. If I go out in freezing cold weather, why do I need to wear a coat? Surely God will keep me warm. If I go away on holiday, why do I need to lock my house? Surely God will protect my house from thieves. Yes, we can live without fear, but we still live in a fallen world. So there are reasons for this, and I think we can easily fall into the fear camp or the being silly camp, but we need to just be realistic. But when I'm talking about masks now, I want to show us that in Christ, while we might still, if there is a disease around, we might still use various measures, in Christ we need to work towards being as open as we can before God. It says that Moses, whenever he went into God's presence, he took the veil off, the mask off, and he spoke to God openly. Other verses say, face to face as a man speaks with his friend. We need to be unmasked before God. And that's a big one, because I don't know about you, but I have at times fallen into the, the mistake of putting a, a veil or a mask of religiousness on when I go into God's presence. So I say, oh dear Lord, thou art wonderful. And I'm just going through the motions and I'm putting on a religious mask and I'm not being real with him. You don't have to put up your hand, but I'm sure we've all had that temptation. But then also make sure we don't have masks between each other. And this is also a big deal because usually it's shame or fear, or I don't know what it is. It's usually sin that causes us to block ourselves off from one another. And so we think they won't like me unless I act like this. Or they, if they really knew how I was feeling or what I thought or who I am, then they wouldn't accept me. And so we put on all these different masks and veils, or we judge other people. We say, I don't want to be near them, so I'm going to put up a barrier between me and them. And God wants those removed. So, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm going to ask you to really put on your, your concentrating cap right now. Because these verses can be complicated, but they're not actually complicated. We just need to work through them verse by verse to understand them. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. Paul is writing to these Corinthian Christians, and he says, clearly, you are an epistle of Christ. What's an epistle? It's not a female apostle. An epistle is a letter. He says, it's a, it's a religious word, it just means letter. He says, you are a letter, an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is of the heart. He says, God has written now in the New Testament, he's not written on stones or outside writing paper or books or stones. He's written on your heart. And this is a huge, huge topic in the New Testament. That in the Old Testament, the laws were on the outside 
And so you had to try and obey them using your five senses to understand them and using your fleshly strength to obey them. You saw the rules and you tried to obey them and nobody ever could. But in the New Testament, he says, I will write my laws on their hearts and on their minds and move them to want to obey me. And Philippians 2.13 says, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So now in the New Testament, instead of rules on the outside, it's written inside us. And he says, you are a letter written by the Spirit of God on your hearts. Just get that in your mind just at, at the start, because it's so big that even if you just got that point, it would be enough today. God is not giving you rules from the outside to obey anymore. He's saying, I'm going to write it on your heart and I'm going to move you and make you want to obey me and you're going to have my power and my desire within you. That's amazing. That's huge. Then he goes on. I'm jumping to verse 6. God has made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So the letter means laws written with ink or on a rock or on a book. But the Spirit um, speaks of laws written in our hearts. It says the letter kills because you can never obey it, but the Spirit gives life. And now he's going to contrast the old covenant, which is what Moses had when his face was shining and he came down the mountain carrying the stones. He's going to contrast that with our new covenant of having the Spirit in our hearts. And this gives us an answer to the question, what causes veils or masks in our lives? So verse 7, he says, But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the, spirit, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious. So the first thing is, he says, um, it's, it's an outward religion that can cause us to have barriers between us. And he says it was glorious, but our ministry is much more glorious. If, if I'm living according to outside rules and religion and tradition and do this list and don't do this list, there will always be shame and fear because I'll always be either proud of my own performance or ashamed of my own performance. It's very hard to get an in-between balance. If I'm following a, rule, a list of rules, I will either be proud, yes, I kept them today, and so there's pride and arrogance, or shameful, no, I failed today, and there will be judgment of other people. You didn't keep the rules, or you did, and there's, so that puts up barriers between us. When I'm living according to a list of rules and religious regulations, Verse 9, for if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. The Old Testament is about condemnation because the result of not keeping the rules is condemnation, judgment. And so there's fear and condemnation that puts up barriers between us. I'm always living in fear. Have I done enough? Have I lived up to it? But he says, for us, it's a ministry of righteousness. Verse 10, for even what was made glorious had no glory 
in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. So he says for them it was a, um, a, a passing away glory. Whenever I do things in my own strength, I always get tired. It never gets more and more. It always gets less and less or worse and worse. It always deteriorates. How many of us have started on January the 1st with a resolution? And it's outside rules that somebody's given us, and it's our own fleshly strength. And by the 5th of January, it's less. By the 10th of January, it's probably gone. <laughs> it's always deteriorating. It never gets better. It always gets worse. That's the Old Testament. And that's what causes masks. We, we separate ourselves because we're ashamed. And then he says, verse 12, Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. That's the same point I've just made. And then verse 14, he says, But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. What he says is that anyone who's trying to live according to rules, and he mentions the Old Testament Jews here, but it's anyone who's trying to measure up to a list of rules, he says that it's always going to cause a problem, and it's always going to cause a veil you can't understand the truth of God's grace, God's gift in Jesus, if you think I have to obey a list of rules. All it can do is say to you, you need to turn to Jesus. But if you still think I can keep all these rules and be good enough in my own strength, it says there's a veil, there's a mask over our faces. And then he says the spirit of the Lord. When one turns to Christ, the veil is taken away. When you see Jesus is giving it as a free gift on the cross, and when the Holy Spirit comes in, the veil is taken away. And then verse 18 is the famous verse. But we all with unveiled face, with unmasked faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. He says, we, once we've understood Jesus' death for us and the Holy Spirit has given us life, we gaze on God's glory. We look at how great God is. It says, as in a mirror, because God has told us He's put that glory in us as well. And it says we go from glory to glory. Other versions say with ever-increasing glory. In other words, it gets more and more, not less and less. Because it's not me doing it, I'm just gazing at God. This is radical stuff. Now, why am I going on and on and on about religion? Because it's a trap we humans keep falling into. We can start off in grace and say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. But after a little while, we think I'm good enough. I can do this. Lord, you can take the training wheels of grace off. I think I can ride my bike on myself, by myself. And we get all proud and arrogant and we fall over. Or if we don't fall over, 
we're still proud and arrogant, riding along, thinking how great I am. And God says, careful, careful, you might have fallen away from grace. Christ will profit you nothing if you think you can do this on your own strength. And I know I go on about this a lot, but I really believe it's, it's the thing that keeps masks up in our lives is when we think either we're good enough or we feel ashamed because we're not good enough. And the answer is to turn to Christ. Now I'm going to read on. In chapter 4, you know there's no chapter breaks in the original Bible. And the people who put chapters in did a good job generally, but sometimes we stop at the end of a chapter when God wanted to just keep going. So I'm going to jump to chapter 4 verse 2. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame. He's still talking about veils and masks. He says, we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Paul says the result of this understanding of grace and being able to gaze at God's glory and His glory shining in us more and more means we're not being crafty. We're not putting up deceptive masks uh, to pretend we're something other than we're not or to use the Word of God in a crafty way. You know, unfortunately, it's, it's true that preachers sometimes use the Bible to say what they want to say instead of saying what the Bible says. And Paul says, no, we've done away with that and we're just commending ourselves. In other words, he's saying, look, I'm unmasked before you, warts and all. This is me with all my failures and my successes, but it's all God's glory. And he says we've renounced trying to be deceptive or manipulate the Word of God. The result of us understanding this is that we're real with each other. I think we could learn a lesson from this. Even, even us, I think as a church, we're good at being real with each other. But there are times when we still put on masks. We come to church and we say what we think people want us to say. We act like everything's fine. Um, yeah, it, there's a lot I could say about this. But, you know, if, if a person is struggling with a weakness, with a sin, with a temptation, with a, an in, inadequacy, if they see a Christian saying, you know what, I struggle with that as well, but God is helping me through it. In other words, they're open and honest. They're not putting on a mask, pretending they've got it all together. I think it would do more good than when we pretend to have it all together and we judge them. If we could just say, I also have struggled with that. The Bible says there's no temptation that seized you except what is common to human beings. We've all had those temptations. Let's just be real. Let's just say, I'm, I, you know, sure, I don't judge you. I've struggled with that. And then we can move on. Amen? So he says we, we're open. We don't use craftiness. Verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, even if there's a mask, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. He says there's another player in this, in this equation. It's not just me and religion and God. There's a devil who's blinding people's minds so that even if I am open, even if I'm real with people and I proclaim the gospel correctly and the Holy Spirit is present, the devil is there blinding people's minds so that they don't understand. 
And I've seen this in family members and friends where you can tell them the gospel and, and the power of God is there, but for some reason they just will not understand it or receive it. And he says sometimes, often, the devil has blinded a person's mind. What do we do about that? Well, we use the arguments of Scripture to come against, in, in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, he says, we come against arguments and strongholds. So we can come against it with the Word of God, but also we have the power in prayer to, to bind and to stop the power of those demonic things. And I think sometimes in prayer, we need to pray against mind-blinding spirits because that puts up a veil. And then he says in verse 6, and this, this verse is a mouthful, but I'm going to read it and hopefully we can get it. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Next verse, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. He says, the same God who spoke, let there be light at the beginning of creation has spoken into your heart and put this light, which is the glory of God in the face of Christ. What's he talking about there? Do you remember when Jesus was transfigured on the top of the mountain and his face shone as bright as the sun? Same as Moses' face, same as us. He says, God has put that image in your hearts. When you're born again, God has put the light of the face of Christ, the image of Christ. He's shining in your hearts. But he's put it in an earthen vessel, in a human vessel, which is frail and subject to weakness and, and all these other things. And so we must never get proud. We must realize I've got this treasure, but it's God's treasure and it's in an earthen vessel. Now, what do we do with all this? I'm going to try and summarize, just make a few points. Number one, the first thing is to make sure we get out of the Old Testament trying to obey a list of rules and either being proud or ashamed all the time and realize, God, it's you that saved me because of Jesus' death on the cross. Holy Spirit, I need you to make me new, to put that glory inside of me and, and not to judge myself, compare myself to others and think I'm better than them or they're worse than me or they're better than me. Just to say we're saved by grace and we're all just, we need God's grace. So that's the first thing is to, to get rid of masks by getting out of religion. And I'm going to ask you just right now, just to make that decision in your mind. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry if I have judged others, if I've thought I was better, or if I've been ashamed and thought I was worse because it's your grace that saved me. And so I'm going to get rid of that mask and just accept your grace. And I'm going to try and be open. That's the second point, is to then intentionally be open and real. Not, not false humility. You know, you can go overboard with this. You can pretend to be humble. <laughs> and we need to be careful of that as well. But just to be real and be, be open to each other and be open to correction and, and say, I'm struggling or can, can you help me with this or whatever. Um, and then in our presentation of the gospel, we need to not manipulate. We need to be straightforward. But then we need to realize this shining glory within us. It needs to get more and more, 
And the way we do that is by gazing on God's glory as in a mirror. I'm not proud when I say as in a mirror. I'm saying, God, you put your face in me. You put your glory in me. I look at your glory and I thank you that you put all that power that raised Christ from the dead within me. You've done it, Lord, and I give you the glory. And the more I gaze on him, like Graham was speaking about reading the Bible and praying this morning, just half an hour or 20 minutes or an hour of gazing on God's glory, reading his word, telling him how great he is, changes me. He says in this verse 18, I am changed from glory to glory. I become more and more like Christ. That shining glory just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The more time I just gaze on his glory. People say, are you sure all I have to do is look at his glory for me to change? And the truth is, yes, there are several verses I could show you. In 1 John 4, it says, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And there's a cause and effect in that verse. It says, as you see him as he is, you become like him. Now, it's talking about the end of time when, when Jesus comes back. But that principle applies because it tells us here in 2 Corinthians 3, as I gaze on his glory, I am changed into that same image from glory to glory. And so when I worship him and I praise him and I love him and I read his word, I am changed. And then he says, you've got this glory inside you. God has shone the glory of God inside of you. And the problem we have is that often we forget that and we slip back into thinking, I haven't been good enough. I haven't done enough. I need to earn it. And so we forget that God has already put his glory in us. I can rest in the fact that he has saved me. He has made my spirit brand new and pure and clean and perfect. First John 4 says, as he is, so are we in this world. That's an amazing verse. As he is now, seated in glory with all things under his feet, as he is right now, so are we right now in this world. That's what it says. Now, I am not like that in my flesh, but in my spirit I am, because he's put the face of Christ inside me. He's shone in my heart. Now, can you see how this would help us? Suddenly, we're not proud and we're not ashamed. We're just grateful. There's this middle place called grateful. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, that you saved me, that you've made me clean, that you made me perfect, that I can rest in you, that I don't have to live up to a whole list of rules, but also I don't have to judge others or be ashamed in front of others. I can rest in you and take the mask off. When I'm glorifying you, I take the mask off. God, this is me. When I'm speaking to friends and neighbors, I take the mask off. I say, this is God in me. Yes, I'm in an earth, it's in an earthen vessel. Yes, I fail. Yes, I'm frail. Yes, I'm crushed and perplexed and all these different things he mentions later on in the chapter. But the glory, the treasure is there on the inside. Now, we've learned from the last few months and years of having masks that masks are sometimes necessary from a health perspective, but actually a pain in the neck. You can't, you can't see whether a person's properly smiling or not. You can't tell, are they singing in worship or are they pretending to be singing? Because the masks aren't. You can't always recognize people. I've seen people who, with their mask off, I wasn't even sure it was them because I'd only got to know them while they had masks on. I said, is that, I met a guy the other day. I said, is that really you? Said, yeah, this is me. Masks cause separation and problems. And God has made a way for us 
to be free of them. Moses had a mask because he was ashamed of the glory that was fading. We should be open, bold, unashamed, and showing God's glory to others. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you've made a way for us to have your glory within us. And it doesn't diminish, it gets more. And we're so grateful, Lord. Lord, we're not arrogant and we're not ashamed. We're just grateful that you have done this. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be more open with each other and with you and to shine this glory that you've given us, Lord. Thank you, God, for the way that the situation in the world has changed and we no longer need to wear masks. Thank you, God, that you've made a way for us to move ahead. But Lord, even if the rules change and we have to wear them again, we don't want to wear spiritual masks, Lord. We want to be open. We want to be real with each other and with you. And so I pray, Lord, that you would inspire us to do that. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.